Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHKs I've known, and two things up for review this week. First up is Dumb Money, which is the story of the GameStop stock phenomenon. Then there's A Haunting in Venice, which is the latest of these sort of Kenneth Branagh, Agatha Christie, Poirot murder mysteries. First up is Dumb Money, which is telling the story of the GameStop stock phenomenon that was happening at the end of 2020 and into 2021. And I, I distinctly remember living through this. You know, this is a very quick turnaround movie. I don't know, even after having seen this movie, even after having seen the, uh, you know, there's been several documentaries about it. I still don't know if I could fully describe what a short is uh, in terms of financial positions and all that stuff. You know, this movie definitely tries to explain it. And all of these things try to go on the ride and explain, you know, why investing in this effectively like almost defunct company was actually a very uh, rebellious and, and clever move on a lot of people's parts. And it's the sort of power to the people thing. Ultimately, I think dumb money has been my favorite sort of approach to it. You know, I think there are going to be some very obvious comparisons to movies like The Big Short because it's there's a comedic take to it. You know, it's tackling a financial issue that is uh, was pretty prevalent and pretty widely covered. And for this one in particular, you know, the way that people, everyday people were able to participate in it, I think will make it an interesting story, you know, for a lot of folks. Uh, it doesn't cover in detail some of the other sides of it it feels very pro you know again power financial power to the people which i'm very in favor of and you know i'm all for dismantling big companies and monopolies are horrible and all that stuff and capitalism eat the rich basically is what i have to say about this it stars paul dano as keith gill who was probably better known as roaring kitty and he had a youtube channel and he was the one who was sort of leading the idea that hey gamestop is a good investment and you know reddit is involved and there's a lot of terms in this movie that again i I'd say I don't understand them. I understand them, but I haven't had like firsthand experience in it. You know, I didn't participate in the GameStop thing. Uh, the closest thing I got to it felt like was through Animal Crossing and the stonk market, but I'm digressing. So the movie does use a lot of the sort of Reddit and internet heavy terminology that surrounded the conversation at the time, but don't let that deter you because I think the reason that Dumb Money has been my favorite sort of portrayal of all of this is the acting behind it. You know, it's directed by Craig Gillespie, who did I, Tonya, which I absolutely love. Paul Dano is playing Keith Gill. And man, when he, you know, this character is has a day job in finance and then, you know, goes into this internet persona. And Paul Dano did such a good job of just embodying the, like, moment when the stream starts and this other personality comes on and you know it's it's just it's a very subtle change but I was like ooh he is very good at this and you know it's something that real Keith Gill I'm sure actually did as well but you know Paul Dano is doing a great job in this Pete Davidson plays his brother and then you've got this sort of cohort of rich people who again I say eat the rich Vincent D'Onofrio Nick Offerman and Seth Rogen all play like hedge fund and super rich folks on Wall Street you've got Sebastian Stan playing one of the co-CEOs of Robinhood and and again not this is not a spoiler or thing but like Robinhood was the investing app and it's still technically an investing app that was sort of allowing microtransactions and empowering like everyone to buy just like little bits of stock and trying to make it you know no fees and all this stuff and there's a there's a whole stuff and then you got folks like Anthony Ramos and America Ferreira playing some of the sort of every people who were investing and and it shows how you know their gambles paid off or didn't or all that stuff and you got Shailene Woodley as Paul Dano's wife. So, you know, really impressive cast. I think it's great directing. Like I said, 
Do I still fully understand what happened in those moments? No. Do I think it's because my brain has shut itself down a little bit to prevent myself from becoming dumb in this stuff? Maybe a little bit. Also, uh, dumb money is not just a reference to like the amount of money. It's apparently an investing term when it comes to like individual investors versus, you know, a hedge fund or a capital firm or something like that, where they're implying that, you know, individuals are dumb for putting their money in this because they'll never win. And yeah, anyway, good emotional journey. I found it very funny. You know, it's a little bro-y, which the characters at the time are. Yes, it uses a lot of the lingo, but it does it in a way that is still understandable enough. And because, again, they are following these individuals and like there's a human emotional journey for each of them, I think it makes it easier to plug in in those senses. Like I said, Paul Dano is doing a great job. I certainly left the film frustrated because, uh, you know, tiny, tiny spoiler, but again, it's a real life thing that happened. You know, I I don't think it was as revolutionary as it could have been. And the movie does help explain why. The one thing I wish they had talked more about was the consequences for the people who did make a lot of money but didn't consider short-term capital gains penalties or not penalties but you know if you sell a stock and you haven't owned it a full year you're gonna pay a lot more and a lot of people weren't prepared for that so you know that's that's just uh this is a sort of glossy version of you know the power to the people of it and then the unfortunate reality of living in a capitalist society that you know where these centralized companies have all the power but um again overall i had a good time. The most surprising thing about this film for me is that the Winklevoss twins were executive producers of it. And if you're, for whatever reason, unfamiliar, uh, the Winklevoss twins are twins who went to Harvard at the same time as Mark Zuckerberg. And they claim that he stole their idea to create a social networking service that, you know, is Facebook. They're also rowers and they are super into crypto. So I, I understood why they funded this movie and why they were like, yes, uh, you know, individuals investing in, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to say questionable, but questionable, uh, you know, uh, 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 untested or new currencies or investments is good. Uh, so take that with a grain of salt. I'm not condoning any sort of investment stuff based on this. I don't know if the film is either, but that additional knowledge did help contextualize it for me, at least. I really enjoyed the film. I'm actually going to give it a four out of five. I'm going to take a quick break and be right back. And I'm back. The other thing I have this week is A Haunting in Venice, and this is the third of the Poirot films from Kenneth Branagh, and I will say it is the best of them. That's not necessarily saying much, and I... I'm trying to decide, is it his adaptations? Is it, I just am not, it turns out, the biggest Agatha Christie fan? Because I don't know. I read uh, Murder on the Orient Express after I'd seen the movie, and I was like, oh, I actually don't like the the storytelling. I, I appreciated the structure of it, but I didn't like the way that Agatha Christie told it. I was like, yeah, well, how can you adapt it, you know, the way it is? But anyway, so this one takes place in Venice. So it's another boondoggle film. This is a phrase I've been using a lot lately where actors get to go somewhere very nice and have a whatever time. And, and you know, Kenneth Branagh still has directing clout. Although after having seen Artemis Fowl, I'm a little confused as to how he's still getting away with the stuff. But anyway, Kenneth Branagh returns as Poirot himself. As per usual, the cast has rotated. And so it's got Tina Fey, Jamie Dornan, Kyle Allen, Camille Cotton, Ali Khan, Emma Laird, Kelly Riley, Ricardo Scamarchio, and then of course, the absolutely legendary Academy Award winner, Michelle Yeoh. And I went into this going, 
if he ruins Michelle Yeoh for me, I will be so livid. And thankfully, because one, she is Michelle Yeoh and is effectively Teflon. And I don't think I could actually hate her in anything. She's great in this. She plays a medium. It's a whole thing. This one takes place, you know, around Halloween. And this one is a little more supernatural slash horror thriller than the other ones have been, which I think actually helped the film a lot, you know, I think embracing the sort of genre structure helped the mystery along because a lot of those films are also effectively mysteries, right? You're trying to figure out what the monster is or who's trying to kill everyone. And then if you combine that with, you know, a detective story, there you go. Match made in, I don't know, heaven. But yes, I still thought this was not, these are just not my favorite movies. You know, I, I love a detective story. I love a good case. But this one telegraphed stuff too early for me, at least. And then it goes on all these tangents and red herrings. And, and, and I, you know, the other problem with these films is that I don't, you don't like the characters generally. Like Poirot is supposed to be your tether into this, but I was like, I don't care. I don't care what happens to any of you. And so that makes it hard to sort of enjoy these films when you're just like, just go ahead, just remain unsolved. Like I'd be fine about it. But yeah, I, you know, it was fine. If you are a huge fan of the other ones for whatever reason, you know, I think you'll actually like this one, even though it is a little bit of a departure thematically. But if you haven't seen the other ones, I would say, I don't even, I wouldn't say see this because I just didn't think it was a great movie. But of the three of them, like I said, it is the best of the three. You know, the settings are fine. The decorations, the settings, the costumes, whatever. They're fine. They're period appropriate. But I just didn't find myself particularly impressed. And then, you know, there are a couple moments where I was just laughing at some of the ridiculousness of it, which was not the intent of the filmmakers, I think. But, uh, you know, and sometimes I'd be like, oh, go see it for Michelle Yeoh. She's just not, I just, no. Nope, unfortunately, I think this is a pass for me, but I, I will say at least progress was made. I just don't want to keep watching these Poirot movies, but I'm going to give it a 2.8 out of 5. That has been it this that has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a 5-star rating, a review, or even consider subscribing.